I'm Shaharazani, and in the news, a possible opening of a U.S. consulate in East Jerusalem and the building tensions between the U.S. administration and Israel. It was recently reported that Secretary of State Anthony Blinken had a harsh conversation with Israel's Minister of Defense Benny Gantz with regards to the recent announcement made by Israel's Ministry of Defense of six Palestinian NGOs as terrorist collaborators. The U.S. also criticized Israel for new construction in Judea and Samaria, while tensions are rising as a result of the possibility of reopening the consulate in East Jerusalem. The U.S. consulate there was closed under President Trump and moved as a section to the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem. To discuss this and so much more, I'm thrilled to have with us in studio here at JBS in Times Square, IDF Lieutenant Colonel Reserve Yaron Buskila. Yaron is a security consultant and he's the Secretary General of Habitronistim, the Israel Defense and Security Forum, IDSF, a group of Israeli security experts and veterans dedicated to Israel's safety and security. He is a retired commander in the Israel Defense Forces and is currently on a visit to the United States. Yaron, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, thank you, Shaho. So first of all, tell us a little bit about the IDSF. What is the Israel Defense and Security Forum? Okay, the IDSF uh, established uh, two years ago by uh, Colonel uh, Amir Avivi. Amir Avivi established this movement because he, he saw that in the reality, so many officers, so many officers who just re uh, retired from the army are putting the agenda before the security issues and not the security before the agenda. So right now, we are a count of more than 2,500 officers that coming from the IDF, coming uh, from the Shin Bet, coming from the Mossad. All of them together, we gather just to promote all of the security issues for Israel to the long term, uh, seeing the Israel uh, for the 1,000 year uh, forward and to make sure that Israel will uh, still be protected and will never, never be uh, displayed or go back to the green, uh, green line and uh, to care about all of the, issue, the security issues for Israel. So, so the truth is that um, Israeli security and defense issues are rather complex. And I'm happy to say that here at JBS, we're going to have Amir Avivi very soon for an yeah. in-depth interview about your work. But what's fascinating and important here is the work that you're doing to explain those complexities to outside audiences. Because the truth is that there is a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to Israel's geopolitical situation. Is that your experience, Yaron? Yeah, exactly. I think that the right word you say there is a big ignorance. There's a big ignorance in the world and even in Israel. I mean, when I say in Israel about the society in Israel that usually get all of the information from the TV and from all of the, from the news and uh, of course, uh, uh, social website and all of the others and especially in the United States. I can tell you that I've been many times uh, around the world giving a lecture for in a, a lot of universities, and I found a lot of students that have very, very strong opinion, but zero data about what's what happening in Israel. And we decided that we have to fix it. We have to fix it, and right now we're giving advising, and we are sitting in, uh, in a forum with, uh, with uh, Knesset members, with a lot of ministers in Israel that really want to hear our opinion. So you're doing the same kind of advocacy and educational work, not just outside of Israel, but also within Israel? We, within Israel, yeah, exactly. We're doing that because we, have, we are very well known with about our experience and especially the high generals in our, in our foundation, in our movement, the, the IDSF movement. 
and uh, we are not depending anyone. And any everyone in Israel knows that we are not um, we are not addicted to any any wing, not in the left wing and not into the right wing. We have our just our professional uh, ideas, professional background, and we come only with that and without any political agenda. So all of this, and that's great news for you, our viewers, all of this is within your expertise. So finally, we have somebody um, who is knowledgeable about these issues to discuss. And when you're talking about education and explaining the complexities, I can imagine that that would be the purpose of your current visit in the United States. Exactly. We met with a lot of parliament members. You uh, just came back from Washington. I just came back from Washington yesterday after we met with some Democrat and Republicans uh, uh, members. They all wanted actually to hear from us what about Iran, what our our solution to the Iran problem, what we think about this uh, American uh, consulate that they want to establish now in Jerusalem, that we, we will talk about it, and the uh, inter-problem with the Palestinians. And uh, since they, again, and I say since they know that we are not coming from any any ag political agenda, this is just just uh, our professionality. They really want to hear our idea, and I, I can tell you that they, they had a lot of answers, a lot a lot of uh, questions, sorry, and they get a lot of new answers that they never heard, and they really, really, really were interested about our answers. Well, the truth is that there there is a lot of ignorance. You mentioned before um, zero information and so much opinion. I think that's a problem that permeates within a lot of sections of our society, including the political one, where it's very significant to be able to make intelligent decisions. Exactly. And since we are really caring about the future, we're educating especially students. We are moving from all of, in all of the high school, almost all of the high school in Israel, we are meeting with a lot of students to tell them and to explain them about the security issues because we don't want them just to face with that just from the TV. Right. So let's dive into those issues. And one of let's the most go. prominent issues that are, are being discussed at the moment is the possible opening of an American consulate in East Jerusalem. The consulate itself was open until the Trump administration decided to close it and move it to the embassy in Jerusalem. One trivia fact that uh, I, many people don't know is that actually an American consulate in Jerusalem has been there since 1844 with the first American consul in Jerusalem being a Christian Zionist who ended up converting to Judaism and marrying a Jewish woman caring for the Jewish residents in Jerusalem back in 1844. That's an incredible trivia fact. But to dive into the more current affairs, please tell us what is the significance? Explain to me what is that such a big issue for Israel? What is the role of such a consulate and why is that uh, such a political hot potato between Israel and the U.S.? Yes, yeah, so well, Jerusalem, uh, of course, everybody understands that. They know that this is the capital, the united capital of Israel. The Palestinians try to promote the idea that the Jerusalem is their capital as well. Right. And when they say that Jerusalem is their capital, they mean that all of the Judeans in Samaria, and for them it's all of Israel, just not only of the Judeans in Samaria, belong to them and they're trying to push us to go back to uh, the 67 uh, line. Or to so the for sea. them, this is the, the first step. First step, and they think that since there is a new government here in the United States, and they try to uh, try to make everything that they can 
to push this government. But Leon, why is that in their interest? Why is that? Why do you see this as a first step by the Palestinians? It's first step because they know that this government, actually many of members in the parliament support them and they try to use them for their uh, um, Uh, for their ideas and uh, for uh, their interests. But, but the consulate in Jerusalem, why is that a Palestinian interest? Just so that, just so that our viewers understand. It's, it's a Palestinian uh, interest just because they want to say to all of the, the world, this is our capital as well, not only an Israeli capital. Be- because the consulate is meant or will deal with the Palestinians. Exactly. I mean, they, don't, they could do it in Ramallah. It will right. be more effective actually to the Palestinians in Ramallah. There is no Palestinians with ID in Jerusalem. It will be no, not helpful for every, anyone if they want actually to, uh, to, to establish a consul, consulate that will help to the Palestinians They should do it in Ramallah, but is this is just the, an idea. But Yaron, is that what the, uh, the American consulate in Jerusalem did all of these years? T- t- was it like the accredited diplomatic mission of the U.S. to the Palestinians? So until it's close, been closed, actually it was not working. It just was just, an, just a consulate with almost zero activity. It was, uh, most of the diplomatic activity was just in Ramallah. But this is just for them a symbol. A symbol. Right. Exactly. And, and I, I, this is a question that everybody listening to you has. So we had the U.S. consulate in Jerusalem up to a certain point. And then only in, during the Trump administration was it canceled and moved into the U.S. embassy that was moved to Jerusalem. What you're saying, actually, is that it's in the past couple of decades, it was the de facto U.S. embassy to Palestine or to the Palestinian Authority or to the Palestinian territories. Did that not bother any other U.S. president over the years from Clinton onwards? Did that not bother any Israeli prime minister before? You had Olmert, you had Sharon, you had, uh, of course, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Were they not troubled by the fact that you had a Palestinian an embassy, uh, a U.S. embassy, a U.S. consulate in Jerusalem accredited to the Palestinians? It's, it's a good question. I think that until uh, uh, Trump was the president of the United States, all of the other presidents really believed that maybe this is the, the, this is the solution for the problem between Israel and the Palestinians. To, to, that Jerusalem will be the capital as well of the Palestinians and the Israeli will go back to 1967 uh, uh, Green Line. But I think that when Trump uh, became the president of the United States and he really uh, learned about this problem, he understood that we will not bring any solution. This is only increase the violence and it really only just make this, the Palestinian Authority much more stronger. And when the Palestinian Authority is much more stronger, when the Hamas will take control of, of the Palestinian Authority, as he, as he did in Gaza, he will take all of the powerful of the Palestinian Authority and this Uh, consulate will be actually soon the consulate of the Hamas and not of the Palestinian Authority. So he decided to separate. If he want to get into a solution with the Palestinians, they will stay, they will be in Judea and Samaria, they have their own area in Judea and Samaria without Jerusalem, and if they want to have the, their capital, the capital can stay in Ramallah as they did uh, in, in all of the years uh, beginning in 19, uh, 1994 or in uh, other places uh, they, so, they can so decide. So the fight here, Yaron, is very much about symbols. It's very, very much about symbols. And I, I can tell you that much of the fight, I mean, the majority fight of the Palestinians against Israel is usually around symbol and not about uh, 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 serious issues because there is actually not a serious issue that Israel is not 
um, find a solution for the Palestinians. When it comes to everything, it's come about uh, when it's come to it uh, the, to work. It's a come. Uh, it's a, it's about economy. Every serious issues we deal with that. We're not hiding. We're not escaping for dealing with that. That's just a symbol, as they did before, and I believe that they will do, will do that in the past as well. Well, now that the U.S. Embassy is in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is indeed, you know, reality is recognized. Jerusalem is the capital city of Israel. Um, there, the U.S. consulate that used to exist there entered under the realm of the embassy, whereas in the past it it operated almost as an independent diplomatic entity. Mm -hmm. The consul in East Jerusalem was not even under the responsibility of the ambassador. He reported directly to the State Department. And now we're talking about a potential re-envisioning of that reality. Do you think that at the end of the day, the Israeli government will be able or will tell the American administration that that move is unacceptable? First of all, you're saying that. Even uh, the uh, Prime Minister Bennett said that it is acceptable. I think that this is a de delib deliberate intervention in, our, in, a, in, a, in his Israeli issue, and especially when it's come to our capital. And I don't think that the American government should do that. And uh, I think that it's for, for the Israelis, they feel like this is like putting a finger in the eye of Israel especially when they're not even talking about it with the government Israel, they're not asking our opinion, they just want to declare that this is the Palestinians, uh, the Palestinians consulate, and, but the fact, this is the Israeli decision. I mean, when they're trying to push it, if Israel will, I mean, will keep, uh, prevent, like the, the establishing of this uh, consulate, it just, just can bring us to a clash between Israel to the American, uh, to the American government. So yeah, we are. I tell you one one thing more than that. It's not only that they want to establish this uh, this uh, consulate in Jerusalem. They even want to do it in the west of Jerusalem. I don't, I don't care where, not in where, not in the east. This is the United Jerusalem. But it's just that's one of one more thing that shows how much is more about symbols and it's not about a real consulate that will be very helpful to the Palestinians. And I tell you, I think that. The United States doing a very, very big mistake, and everybody, even in Israel, and I believe that even in the world, understand that the Palestinian Authority right now is really is not stable. So, without like taking talking about the Israeli interest, this is our capital. Of course, this is like the first and foremost thing that we care about. Why not to establish this uh, uh, consulate? I think that for the American interest, that's bad, especially especially now. And I will try to explain it. I think that the United States need to look forward one step. The, as I said, the Palestinian Authority is not stable. We don't know what's going to be happen next day after. So wait, before we dive into another complex chapter, uh, yeah. I just want to finish with the, uh, with the yeah. consulate and then move to issues of future and succession. Oh, it's, about, it's about the consulate. For, just, I know, for sure. But just this, in your meetings in Washington, yeah. did you get the impression that your interlocutor, the people you spoke to, were they knowledgeable about what's happening on the ground when it comes to the consulate? And when you explained the issue to them, did they understand it? What was their reaction? Well, they were actually very surprised to hear from us how much the problem with the Palestinian Authority is very, very hard and very, very, um, uh, like, not stable. They were sure that something can, that after, after Abu Mazen will die, there will, be a, there will be a solution that the Palestinians will take care of themselves and will find a new president. 
But when we gave them all of the information right now about what's going inside the Palestinian society and inside the, Palesti the, the Palestinians' uh, main, uh, um, uh, main uh, players in the, in the, in the Palestinians', uh, in the Palestinians uh, po political... Uh, so they were really, really surprised. And we give them like, all, of the, all of the evidence for what we're saying. And under these circumstances, that leads to a certain conclusion. So let's go into what you spoke to them about, um, the Palestinian Authority's future. Yeah. So enlighten us. Right now we have Mahmoud Abbas, Abu Mazen. He's been in power for a long time. Yeah. Um, has been an authoritarian dictator. Has been ruling the Palestinian Authority, very much propped up by the IDF and the Israeli security establishment to keep him in power. But what is the situation on the ground when it comes to succession if Abu Mazen leaves the stage uh, tomorrow or next week or next month? What's going to happen in the West Bank? We already saw what happened in Gaza. What's your prediction and what does it rely on? So I can say that in the last years he's not so powerful because there is a lot of corruptions in the Palestinian Authority. And right now the uh, Palestinian officer cannot get into the, the majority of the Palestinian cities in the in the Palestinian in the Palestinian Authority, so I don't know if I, how many Ameri Americans people and especially Americans uh, government members understand this issue, but the Palestinian Authority getting weak more and more day by day. You're saying that Palestinian police officers can't enter certain can, areas. Can't enter, in, in not the to Jenin and not to Hebron and uh, not of some other big uh, cities in the north and in the south. So who maintains law and order there? So that's a good question. So what's actually is, uh, going in the city is that the leader of the cities, the leader of some of the, you can say like some of the tribes in the cities, they lead and they are taking the, 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 the majority of the, the, the majority decisions that what's going inside and the Palestinians police almost cannot get inside. They tried a couple of times and they, and they are, and these tribes shot them. The others, the other people that against the Palestinian Authority, they tried to prevent them to get from getting inside, shot them. It didn't allow them to get inside. And we understood that very, very soon, Abu Mazen in almost is 23, 24 years old, he's very ill. We don't know how long he's gonna live, but once he will not be with us anymore, we believe that there will be a big, big, big chaos in the Palestinian Authority, so there is a couple of options. The first one, after maybe a short chaos, maybe, uh, maybe some one of the leaders will take control on this uh, on the Palestinian Authority, and by the time it will be quiet. But this is not our assessment. The when you say one leader, it could be somebody from the PLO or the exactly the like uh, like uh, Dahlan or, or right. other. The problem with Dahlan and all of the others is that not all of the Palestinian society really supports them and they are really addicted to their tribes. When I'm talking about, when I say tribes, I mean like the biggest family. The biggest family in Hebron, the biggest family in Jenin. They're really addicted to them and they are not supporting them. So we need to see how much powerful they really will so be. So that's one option, that one somebody option. from that circle will yeah. take control and will regain law and order to a degree the way it is today. Yeah, exactly. What's the other option? The other option is it will be a, like just a chaos for a long, long time. And, uh, and after this chaos, the Hamas will take control as it did in Gaza. We need, we need to understand that by in the last 20 years, the Hamas actually uh, built himself inside, inside the society by uh, donate a lot of money, 
Jax to be more and more, more and more powerful because he took advantage of the fact that there is a lot of corruption inside the Palestinian Authority. And right now, every time we're doing a survey, try to understand what will be next after the, the Palestinian Abu Mazen will die, we find like 60-70% of the people will vote to the Hamas. Yaron, the Palestinians on the streets of the West Bank are looking at the Gaza Strip. They see the situation there, they see what Hamas's rule means, they see the dire straits that many Gazans are suffering as a result of Hamas's policies. Is this what the majority of uh, Palestinian society in Judea and Samaria aspire to have there as well? Well, well it's a good question. It, it could be not their first choice, but right now they're just looking about it, the hard and the deep corruption that infected their life every day. There are many, many, many poor people in the Palestinian Authority and other people that are really wealthy and take most of the money of the, that belongs to the Palestinians and they can, can, could not handle it anymore, they can't handle that anymore and you just want to switch the Palestinian Authority and start something that is different without really looking for the long term, like for the, for the future and without looking into Gaza but their um, their uh, finance problem are for them is more hard than any agenda. In your view, is the Hamas takeover in Judea and Samaria, is this an inevitable reality? Is this for sure, in your opinion, your assessment, what's going to happen? Well, Israel can avoid that and it, that will, will take us into, into, a, into a fight. But in the end of the day, if that was the, the Palestinian choosing and this is we need to, to, to let them to manage themselves as a democrat uh, authority, we cannot prevent that. We try to, um, to do everything to arrest Hamas leaders, not just because of their, their entire problem of the Palestinians, because they're really doing and trying to push into a terror activities because part of the power that they get is by this terror active and to show that the Palestinians, that they are more stronger, more strong than that the Palestinian authority. But I just want to just to finish one point, important point. Sure. When Abu Mazen will die and the Hamas will take control, and just think about there is a palace, there is like the American, uh, the American uh, consulate for the Palestinians. So what will happen? That this 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 uh, consulate will belong actually to be for the Hamas. And all of the world will look around and look at you know, in the United States and say, why didn't you look one step forward? And uh, could you couldn't you understand? Oh, but they'll tell you, Yaron, that they can close the consulate then. If something like this happens, then they can make a decision. So why why to make a move? Why do to make this move without just waiting to see what's going, what will, what will happen after Abu Mazen will die? Why it's so um, urgent to open this consulate? Why they have to do it right now? Why can't they wait? Oh, Why can't know, they do it in another place? We all know the ultra it will progressive be, It will wing. be embarrassing. It will be embarrassing for United States because everyone just say you could look just one step forward. Everybody understand that it will be a big problem. We are chaos. So this, uh, uh, this uh, console that you open right now serving the Hamas and not serving the Palestinian people that needed in Ramallah and not in Jerusalem. Do you, um, so Israel will have a dilemma at some point whether to interfere in the West Bank to assist the PLO or to stand idly on the side while Hamas takes over. Now we remember when Hamas took over Gaza, it was a very violent 
take over. They executed many members of the Palestinian Authority, of the PLO. They were very cruel. They still are very cruel. Do you think that in such a situation, Israel should interfere to maintain the Palestinian Authority as is, or should it just uh, look from the side? It's a great question. I tell you what is the difference. The difference is that the Hamas, the Hamas took control in Gaza in 2007. We left Gaza in 2005. We couldn't do nothing. We were just out of the borders. We could only just look inside and help some of the Palestinians <laughs> that was running and escaping from the Hamas to the gate and to open the gates for them. The difference is that in the Palestinian Authority, we are still there. We have, a, we have a lot of villages, Jewish villages inside. We are working inside. We're doing uh, the, uh, all of the security activity inside. We can, we, we can prevent that. And we're doing that right now before he will die. But I say it again, the Hamas built this power for a lot of years. In, in the end of the day, the Palestinians can choose to be under the Hamas. And then that will be a very big problem to work with terrorist group and not with the government of the PA. And, and quickly, just because we're running out of time, we could sit for hours. It's such complex and fascinating issue. Do you see any solution to the situation in Gaza? I see a solution for the situation in Gaza, but I just have to say, the, the solution for the situation in Gaza start with making sure that there will, uh, the Hamas will have no ability or it will be zero passion to uh, uh, to shoot the rockets into, into Israel. That's, we start from there. When the Hamas is strong in Gaza, so there cannot be any solution because all of his power comes from Iran. So we first have to get inside to fight against the Hamas, to make sure that they have zero rockets, they have no ability to shoot and to threat Israel in any way, and the solution starts from there. Then we can negotiate, maybe establish the PA authority there as we did before, maybe to be there for a couple of years and then to make sure there is no terror there anymore. But the solution, as I said, start with solving the, the security problem and not just by let them open, let open the gate and open the port and just help them just to make, be much more powerful as they are right now and to be almost as the Hezbollah, that the Hezbollah have an like open border from Iran through, through, through uh, Syria into the Hezbollah. And right now, they're really powerful. They have dozens of, dozens of, of uh, for hundreds of uh, rockets, while the Hamas is, not, is still not there. More questions than answers. But it seems that um, the issues are pressing and they need a solution. I'd like to thank you so much, Yaron, for being with us here at the JBS studios in Times Square. Thank, thank you for you. inviting me. Thank you very much for sharing your important insights about the current situation. And most importantly, thank you for your service for Israel and for the Jewish people. It's much, much appreciated. And you've educated so many of us and our viewers on the issues at hand. As we know, things are complex in the Middle East. And it's every time it's amazing to see just how much. Thank you very much. It was an honor and pleasure to be here. And to our lovely viewers, I'd like to thank all of you for watching. And to all, stay safe. Stay happy and stay healthy. I'd like to thank our director, Sloan Copeland, JBS's managing director, Dara Golub, our technical manager, Michael Paley, transmission manager, John McDevitt, and to our wonderful producer of In The News, Carol Lilienthal. For JBS, I'm Shahar Azani. Until next time, see you soon. Shalom and Lilienthal.